This podcast is protected under the laws of the United States and other countries. Unauthorized duplication, distribution, or exhibition may result in civil liability, criminal prosecution, and the wrath of the tall man. (laughs) Boy! Hey, let's talk about you, the ID10T community events at ID10T.com, like Russ Stevens, a.k.a. Cool Movies Darth, who has started a podcast called 90 for Chill, uh, which Russ says is dedicated to movies with a runtime between 74 and 99 minutes, the time frame that I feel is ideal. Russ, I could not agree with you more. That is a fantastic idea. Uh, Russ goes on to say there are times you need a cinematic fix but don't have time for the latest Scorsese masterpiece or offering from a comic book universe. There's also times when you know you need a conclusion to prevent a binge costing you a whole night. Um, I guess and I try to follow these guidelines as we chat up features that are definitely worth your time and are beyond easy to make time for. 90 for Chill, the podcast, can be found on all major podcast platforms at 94chill.com, and that's spelling out 90, uh, N-I-N-E-T-Y, 4, F-O-R, chill. Um, so there you go. Thank you so much for sharing, Russ. A uh, really great idea for a podcast. Events at ID10T.com for everyone else. <laughs> Thank you for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast with Cat Bus Russ. This is your host, Cat Bus Russ. If you want to get an idea of what could be on next week's episode, you can check me out on Letterboxd. My username there is CMDarth. That's C as in cool, M as in movies, Darth as in Sith Lord. So, I didn't have a guest this week, which makes me really want to thank everybody who uh, came on for the spooky month uh austin john sam well i know sam was for veterans day andrew the poetic critic um it's kind of weird actually not having a planned out show so what i'm doing is catch it up on ali's accessory shop on etsy's trash feature reviews catching up on those dvds she bought me and i'm not saying anything is too wretched well i will but it's only uh, 33.3% infinitum that is that uh, awful. We'll get into that. Before that, let me just say I'd love to have guests on the podcast. I think next week I'm going to go solo again since uh, Thanksgiving's coming out. But beyond that, uh, if you want to be on the show, send an email to rustthebus07 at gmail.com. That's R-U-S-S-T-H-E-B-U-S-0-7 at gmail.com. Offer me a movie, a theme, a director, an actor. Just try to focus on sub-100-minute material. But if you listen to the show, I think I've had two marathons uh, in one month. So we can work with anything. So if you really want to feel passionate about something... I will make it work for you. Otherwise, follow me on Twitter at CatBusRuss. Preferably, you should sign up for Mastodon and follow me there at RussStevens at Mastodon.social. But more importantly, rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast apps, five-star reviews, preferably, just to help the algorithm be as honest as you want in your critique. And all I really have left to do is thank Sasha. Marie Harden for keeping an eye on me, making sure that I am doing all right. A lot of relationship or dating issues right now. And I know she's just happy that, hey, I get to 
even entertain them. That was a big thing she had about me. I hope she's taking care of Skimble Shanks pretty well. Uh, Allie misses him a lot, but I know he's in good uh, ectoplasmic hands, dare I say. So thanks for checking out 90 for Chill, the podcast, and enjoy the show. Hello there. Let me try to be brief and explain what the movie selection is based on this week. So, uh, Alex Accessory Shop on Etsy trash features were basically DVDs that Ali bought me when I started the podcast, usually about three a letter, and I would watch them and try to get through the alphabet. So, where we're at right now is she didn't have a T u or v feature so if you followed the spooky month i kind of jumped ahead for horror movies to the letter p from the letter l so basically i am just filling in tuv with mno so that's where we're at and i Hope that that is forgivable. We'll get back to W next week. And thanks again for coming to the show. This is the last time I speak to either of you in person about work-related matters. Everything you need or need to know is in those envelopes. Do not open these envelopes until you have left the office. I started opening it before I heard the record. Do you mind if I borrow a piece of tape? You're going to New York. You will not mention my name or imply that you are in my employ. How are you, champ? You do not get drunk or do anything that will prevent you from operating in a professional manner. How much money do you have left? I got like 80 bucks left. That's it? This is Max's Calvary? Two broke all of guineas from L.A. Go down well, that's one way to handle people. Look, we're here representing Max. Let's just keep our mouths closed and not make any mistakes. You must be the red dragon, huh? Oh, my God. Hey, Jimmy, where are they taking us? Yeah, where are they going to whack us, Jimmy? We need guns. We don't need guns. I'm telling you, man, I'm pretty sure we need guns. I want you to take it back to the business class, round up a couple honeys, and we're going to have kind of a pool party. Who am I dropping this off to? Who gets their hands on this? That's your per diem. Yeah, that's my per diem. And who do I give it to? It's yours. You keep it. This is my name. Yes. And you got 1,500 too. Uh-huh. And I'm trying to watch Made from 2001, directed by Jean Favreau, starring him and his uh, frequent, well, I wouldn't say frequent collaborator. This is essentially a spiritual follow-up to Swingers. And um, yeah, Vince Vaughn is just intolerable. And that might not be Vince Vaughn's fault. It's probably the script. So I don't know what John Favreau really thinks of him. So yeah, it's um, an intimately directed film. I can't say there's anything well it's got a lot of the same kind of fancy looking effects so i'm very surprised that two years later john favreau directed uh elf and to such success never mind we've got iron man but yeah um vince vaughn's character 
I'm not saying it isn't realistic. That's the sad thing. It's incredibly realistic. I had friends uh, that I'm happy not to be friends with any longer who emulate the Vince Vaughn character and approach. This is pre-Karen bullshit. So, um, and never mind. It's like, you want, I want to like it. Favreau's doing a great straight man job. And, you know, Peter Falk is interesting enough as a mob boss. But, you know, just Vince Vaughn breaking everybody's balls and thinks he's entitled to do so is just so hateable that I am not going to be able to stick with this movie. So, um, sorry, maybe it's just my 20 years in customer service, but no one should act like this. And, you know, if he doesn't get in his, I guess, better go and look at the Wikipedia to hope that his character gets his comeuppance, because otherwise I've just wasted a half hour. Hold on to your butts. Just bear with me a moment. I've written up a short little review for my letterbox at Sia Darth is that username, or I guess it's just letterbox.com forward slash CM Darth. But I digress. If I can get my cat away from the phone just to allow me to pull up that review. Come on. Faster, Russ, faster. All right. Uh, Vince Vaughn's character is awful. To make matters worse, I know people who saw this movie when they were in college at the beginning of the century who thought it was okay to act like this character. After a half hour, the feature was too intolerable for me to stand. The direction is barely competent and was still more fixated on blatantly paying homage to the directors who inspired Favreau. This was fine for swingers, but it shows no aspirations of wanting to be a great director. If this was Vaughn's journey to become a better person, perhaps this would be excusable. But the story is about Favreau trying to make everything work out. This is Iron Man if Pepper Potts wore the suit. Tony Stark would have no reason to change into a compassionate person and would just be man-explaining superheroism. So, yeah. I think that um, sums up the feature, so I think it's gotten two extra minutes. It did not deserve, in my opinion, one star just because, again, I can't fault the direction that much. Each night, he tells his stories to the world. From the studios in New York City. I'm Gabriel Noon, and this is Noon at Night. Take this with you. We're publishing it next quarter. Then he read a story he couldn't forget. I've read your book. I really liked it. I can't believe it's you, man. You kid. Whoever he is. It's Donna, Pete's mom. Hello. We'd love for you to come to the house and visit. Really? Hello? The number you have reached is not in service. Know anyone who actually met Pete Lowe? In the search for the truth. Okay, I did some research. There is no record of any Pete Logan in any kind of hospital. They've been drawn into a mystery. Ever thought about a voice print? It's me, Pete. They're as good as fingerprints. That has a deadly secret. Where's Pete? There's no way I'm taking you to see him. No way. You have to call the police. Wait, wait.
can't let you do this. The Night Listener. I'm trying to find a really worthwhile film for this episode of 90 for Chill the Podcast with Cat Bus Russ, but I don't know it, how that is going to work out. So I just concluded watching The Night Listener from 2006, uh, starring Robin Williams and Tony Collette, uh, written by. Uh, sorry. So. Written by Armistead Maupin, Terry Anderson, and the director. Patrick Stent, uh, Stentner, based off of um, allegedly true events from the uh, novel's writer, uh, Armistead Maupin. Uh, it's well acted, uh, that I can say. The direction is competent for the most part, uh, nothing innovative, but it's a character study, so I guess that's uh, forgivable, except... I decided, well, you know, this movie is hardly over 80 minutes long, so let's watch a deleted scene on the DVD purchased by Ali of Ali's Accessory Shop on Etsy. And it kind of shows that he didn't really have much, I mean, I guess a narrative that really should have been filmed, I suppose, is what I'm saying. Uh, it just, he goes and explains before the scene, like, well, this would have taken this dramatic picture up to high drama, and that's not what he meant to do. So, uh, I think without the high drama, though, it's a pretty uneventful feature. This is a one-act play at best, just told over many days, which I know is not how one-act play works, which is what I'm saying. It's just not, you know shoot scene shoot scene uh so on so forth so it's a story about gabriel noon portrayed by robin williams who hosts a basically he's doing the um i think it was um i don't know we growing up in the 80s not a lot of cars had the am fm uh am fm radio at least from the late 70s early 80s so AM radio for me, W-I-L-L, no, W-I-R-L out of East Peoria, which is talk radio. Um, I'm trying to find the name of the, well, basically he's just telling stories and usually about his life. And there's a parody of this on The Simpsons, so let you think about that one. I think it was during the Marge and Homer being exhibitionists. Uh, episode but he is going through a breakup with his lover played by bobby cavanali which is kind of interesting because another movie i was thinking about watching instead of made was the merry gentleman i believe which stars uh kelly mcdonald so i was going to have some kind of boon uh, boardwalk empire connection this week that's a show I've been re-watching, and, I, and so, I don't know, offer me some HBO Max options, I suppose. Again, I digress, I really should just be watching Westworld. So, going through a breakup with him, Joe Morton, a uh, famous uh, black actor, is a publicist who offers him a book to take away, his, to distract him, essentially, since he's got not 
being able to record his radio show because of his emotions. And it's a book about a child who was abused since at least seven in a uh, sex dungeon, essentially, who writes his own life story, and he is dying of AIDS. And to kind of add a spanner into the works, I suppose, um, as Robin Williams is reading the story, he gets a call from that the author, uh, a Pete Dolan, played by Rory Culkin, or so it seems. Um, and as he's talking with uh, Rory... He gets interrupted many times during these conversations by his adoptive mother, played by Tony Collette. And one night, after you think um, Williams and Cavanali are going to get back together, Cavanali hears one of the conversations and says the voice sounds exactly the same, just pitch. Hence, the can't validate any of this kid's existence so our character so infatuated and caring for the child our lead our protagonist decides to head off to wisconsin to find the truth and all he's really dealt with is can find is the adopted mother who's a blind woman so a lot of you know borderline creepy stuff occurs I mean, but nothing, I say borderline creepy stuff, nothing, at, he, there's no commitment to actually giving us genuine suspense. Will he find the information he's, he's looking for or will he not? And is the child made up? And what is the motivations behind the Tony Collette character for doing so? And it just, there should be a cat and mouse. As I say, it's well acted, but there's no stakes at all in this feature. So by the end of it, you're just left like, as I say, well, it's a good character study, I suppose. And then you stop and further research. And then you realize it's just no, there's just no stakes. So, um, yeah, sadly it kind of ended up being a waste of time, I guess. Um, and for me, I guess when it came to Robin Williams, I like the dramatic stuff when he still can um, walk that line. Like, his greatest performance is probably going to be, the I've seen, is Good Morning Vietnam, where you can tell he's a man with his own troubles, but he's willing, you know, he knows he's got to turn it on. And... You know, a depressed Robin Williams character does not get to turn it on. So it kind of, well, he doesn't get an opportunity to turn it on, essentially. So it just kind of, you know, as I say, you're just there for 80 minutes, hoping something interesting will happen. You've got some good pieces. They just don't have a way of making this feature stand out. West Orange, New Jersey. Nice, huh? That's my dad in blue, and that's his best friend, Terry, the inseparables. I can't believe you made me do this. Good for your appetite. See you in an hour. I grew up here with two families. 
We have so much to be thankful for to the Walling and Ostrov clans. Who knew two families could get this close? Nina? Back for Thanksgiving. Are my parents here? They're in the back. You could say life in the oranges is dependable. I'm going out. Wow, don't you look nice? Mom, give me some room. That is until what happened happened. I've just concluded watching The Oranges from 2011. A comedy, I suppose, is the best way to put it. I wouldn't really necessarily say that it works as a romantic comedy. Uh, It stars Hugh Laurie, and I would say your second lead would be Leighton Meester, who only gets an and on the billing. Basically, you have two families that have known each other, been best friends since their kids were born, and... It turns out that uh, Leighton Meester decides, after getting cheated on by a fiancé, to pursue a relationship with the patriarch of the other family, played by Hugh Laurie. Uh, It's an excellent cast. Uh, Catherine Keener is Hugh Laurie's wife in the feature. Uh, The opposite couple is played by Oliver Platt and Allison Janney. An underappreciated actress, I think, would be... uh, Alia Shakwat, which I've only really seen her in um, uh, Whip It, the roller derby movie. And I'm still hoping men's roller derby catches on at some point. I have the skates for it. So, um, so it's, you know, uh, just a comedy in a set, comedy of errors, I guess you would say, as everybody just tries to adjust to the fact that well, our friendships are very important, but can we forgive, you know, just people trying to be happy, essentially? And by the end of the feature, everybody just goes and tries. Nothing lasts uh, except for one, you know, uh, Oliver Platt and Alice and Janney. Sorry to spoil the feature. And we're just supposed to learn and move on from that. I'm not saying it isn't funny at times. Um, I'm just 
written from a bad perspective because it's told from the uh, perspective of Hugh Laurie's daughter, played by Ali Shakwat. I'm sorry, Shakat. Um, it, but it's all male screenwriters, a male director, and I think it does play the homewrecker element, which I just don't like to think of. Again, it's should be a story about being happy, and I guess they would justify it by saying, well, by the end, uh, the... Uh, Leighton Meester character is trying to be find her happiness and it might not be with you know the person she expects it to be with um, but I just you know it just kind of feels like well she has to be punished for you know finding a positive relationship so and I mean there's a constant gag about how people approach this a situation by it's not about being happy and i don't know maybe it's the 43 year old in me who's wondering if i'm getting ghosted for the third time this year (laughs) um like no i think happiness is the key like what's the point of uh going on if you don't have a sense that it's going to get better or that you're going to enjoy it um so it's a message i don't agree with uh as for the direction it's you know just competently done uh it could have been a great character study but again i think it just tries to take moralistic stands at some point and i think it falls flat because of that can i hear a wahoo 